0: Um, If you can remember back, many of you were here on um, All Saints Sunday, uh, November the 4th. Um, During my sermon, I encouraged us to uh, explore and be inspired by a saint in our life or to read about. And I told you all that I was going to read some Bernard of Clairvaux. You might have remembered. I even held up his book. Well, I tried. I really did. I tried really hard. But my heart was just not in a place that I could receive Bernard's work. So Bernard goes back on the shelf to be taken up again later. Now, the good news is that I had another book with me. And for the last couple of weeks, I've been enjoying Madeline Lingle's book on writing and faith. It's a really tremendous book. And it's really been helpful and inspiring in my own journey. So here's the lesson. Sometimes we take on a spiritual discipline or practice that just doesn't work the way we want it to. Sometimes our expectations are too high, or or sometimes it's just not the right fit for us or the right time in our life. Don't give up, right? Don't give up. Find another practice that can help you in your journey. And I hope you'll remember that uh, before I've invited you, and I'm going to invite you again, starting next Sunday, the first day of Advent, I'm going to read through uh, the daily office, year one. Um, You can find this in the back of the prayer book. You can find it on the app. Um, St. Clair has a website where you can go through uh, morning prayer with the the readings. Um, It's going to be a great way to engage um, regularly uh, the reading of Scripture and the practice of prayer. So I I commend that to you. I'm going to pick that up starting on Sunday. Hope you'll join me for that. Well, during Thanksgiving, uh, the week we just had my wife, Allison, and our kids and I, we we did some traveling. Um, We uh, were really blessed to um, see lots of family and friends in Alabama and Mississippi. Um, It was a wonderful time, a deliberate time with the kids, um, walking on the beach, eating delicious food. Um, and reconnecting with all these people. And I'm really, really grateful um, for the week that we had and, and the time that we were able to spend together. Um, God's abundance is, is really made clear on a, an experience like that, where you get to see people you haven't seen in a while and, and to be thankful for. One of the nights that we were, were down um, at the beach, uh, we went to dinner at a restaurant. And we happened to walk into the restaurant just as two television screens... Uh, turned to the six o'clock evening news. So we're sitting at a a table and my son is in front of me and I noticed his eyes keep going to the TV screen. That's not unusual for Hill. Um, And that my daughter's eyes kept going to this TV screen over here. And finally I looked up and I watched for just a few minutes, but I noticed that there were four stories back to back to back to back of gun violence and death. There was even an image of a dead body. And I went, whoa, kids stop looking, and I asked the restaurant to change the channel, and it went to basketball, and we were fine. But it reminded me uh, why we don't watch the evening news at our house. We also don't even take the newspaper. And it's because the evening news readily will report any kind of tragic death, but very rarely will they report on profound resurrection. The Daily Paper is full of all kinds of consternation over, over uh, political corruption or uh, financial fears, and often in Dallas, uh, disappointing sporting news. Um, <laughs> but the paper is really kind of lacking on uh, the good work and that's happening in our community and the leaders that make it happen. Social media is, is full of all kinds of political rants and ravings and people spouting uh, particular ideologies. Even our Christian brothers and sisters, I know it's none of you, have a tendency on Facebook to forget that the leaders that we elect are only temporary, uh, but in fact, uh, we serve a king who is eternal. Now, I mention all that to you not to say that I'm not informed about what's going on in the world. I I do have a, a news app on my smartphone, and I listen to to the radio news, and um, there are a lot of other ways that I'm informed. In fact, I think I'm more informed about things that are going on in the world now than I've ever been. But I say that to you because I think that social media and these other media outlets that I've mentioned, um, I, I do think they communicate truth, but I don't think that they communicate the full truth. And as Christians, I think it's really important for us and particularly for our children to, to understand news and media stories through the lens of our faith. I'm wondering if partial truth can be just as dangerous as fake news. In the gospel today, we hear Pilate ask Jesus a question and Jesus respond. You say that I'm a king, but it's for this reason that I've come to testify to the truth. Everyone who here, you know, receives the truth, hears my voice. Jesus is all about truth. Christ's kingdom is founded on the truth that God loves us and made us and wants to be in relationship. This is truth that's not partial. This is ultimate truth, most important truth, and it's truth that comes from God's very self. Today in the church, we we celebrate a relatively new feast day, Christ the King Sunday. Uh, It was founded in in 1925 by Pope Pius XI, and Pius noticed that a lot of church-going folk uh, were becoming very secularized in their practices. They seemed to become uh, very interested in consumerism and social status and things of that nature. Pius said, you know, we we really need a Sunday in which we can be reminded in in the earthly world that we live in, whatever our context, whatever our systems of government, that we as Christians believe we have a king, Christ. And so to be reminded of that every year, uh, it was instituted and we continue to celebrate it today. Christ our king is the one to whom we should have primary allegiance to, the one to whom we should show homage in our lives. Now, this Sunday, Christ the King Sunday, is, is one of tension, really. Um, there's three ways, at least, that we're in tension between uh, where we are and where we're going. So, we, we've just liturgically been through this long season after Pentecost. Does anybody even remember Pentecost? Yes, of course we do, because there was a monkey, right? We remember Pentecost. <laughs> a couple of you were here. All right, good. Um, but it's been a long time since Pentecost. And next Sunday, we're going to journey into the season of Advent, a season of preparation, preparation. Um, as we prepare for uh, the coming of the Christ child and also for Jesus' return. So we have this tension today, right, in between this long season and the one that is to come. We have a a tension um, in our reading from Revelation and the gospel reading in that in Revelation we hear about the cosmic Christ, you know, the one all-powerful who's to come back and and rule with, with power and might and... Uh, the story of our crucified Savior, whose power is found through His forgiveness, through His mercy. And we, thirdly, we live in this wonderful country where we elect our leaders, and yet as Christians, we claim citizenship of God's kingdom. We live in the already and the not yet. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Today, we're reminded that though many people in our world will will seek security through wealth and power, that our kingdom, the kingdom that we belong to, is not one that's founded on those things. Today, we're reminded that we have a king who is above all of our earthly concerns, but I think if we're going to understand Jesus as a king, we have to go, have to go way back. We have to go way back in the Holy Scripture, we need to do something like we're doing with God's story, where we explore the whole narrative of salvation history, back from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And, and it's really only when you do a project like that, that that we're able to really fully understand how God and king and God's people are meant to be in right relationship. So travel back with me real quick. Way back to the time of the judges. We've talked about that recently in God's story. During the time of the judges, the Hebrew people were clamoring for a king. They kept asking God, please give us a king. Everybody else has a king. We need a king. And God said, no, I am your king. God is king. You don't need another king besides me. And they said, yeah, yeah, no, we, we, yes, you're God and, and you're our king. But we, we need like an earthly ruler um, because all these other people have an earthly ruler. And So God sends the prophet saying, uh, you don't want a king. When you get a king, bad things are going to happen. The king's going to lead you astray from following me, and you're going to take your young children and, into their household. They're going to tax you. They're going to do all these things. And people say, no, 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 we want a king. So God said, all right. Saul. Saul was almost an okay king. He came close. And then David. David was pretty good. He had a few indiscretions. And we won't talk about them today. Solomon, yeah, all right, we got Solomon. Solomon's a good king. Pretty good. He did a good job. But then after that, it all falls apart. There's a whole slew of wicked and awful kings who lead God's people astray from worshiping the one true God, who trample on the people, make them poor and oppressed. And then fast forward to the first century. God's people are clamoring for a king again. This time, they want a king to come and rescue them from the foreign oppressors, the Romans. The Romans aren't the only foreign oppressors they've had. This is like the fifth different uh, nation people group that have been in charge for a long time. And so the people are desperate for a king to come and and lead a military victory. And so this time, God says, okay, I'll send you a king. But he sends Christ the king, a king whose power is not... Fulfilled through military might or prowess. But a king who is interested in defeating sin and death. A king who can teach us a different way how to live with each other. Nearly 2,000 years now after the resurrection, here we are again awaiting for the return of our king. Christ's physical presence is not currently with us, but his spirit continues on in and through us. So, if Jesus Christ is our king, and the whole weight of the world that we sometimes feel on our shoulders belongs on his. If we follow Jesus Christ as our king, then we will seek his will in our lives and in the world, rather than riches or power, because Jesus Christ is our king. The earthly leaders that we might cheer for or jeer at take a back seat to the truth that We're really only resident aliens. We're here for a time, and hopefully we'll leave the world a better place than we found it. But that our identity, our destiny, is in eternity with our Creator. And so I wonder how you and I might, this week, remember that Christ is our King and celebrate that fact. I wonder if we'll follow our King's leadership and work for mercy and justice and peace in the world Wonderful we'll tell people about God's love and incredible forgiveness in our lives. I wonder if we can place our primary allegiance in Christ as our king rather than in any of the other numbers of allegiances or associations we might have. Thank God that we have a king who teaches us a better way to live than the world teaches. Thank God that we have a future to look forward to, one of hope and peace. Thanks be to God who, from the beginning, has patiently waited for us to acknowledge the divine reign in our own lives and has sent us Christ the King. Amen.